Welcome back to another episode of NFT Catcher Podcast. We'd like to remind everybody that nothing on the show is meant as financial advice, and to please do your own research. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Now the subject is NFT. They're known as non-fungible tokens, or NFTs. NFTs are exploding in popularity. This is a technology Join Jenny from the blockchain and Michael Keane on the NFT Catcher Podcast. What's up, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of the NFT Catcher Podcast with me, Jenny from the blockchain, and my co-host, Michael Keane. For today's interview, we have Casey Rotomore, the creator of Bitcoin Ordinal, is joining us. Casey, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, yeah, funny story. Uh, so before I, when I started working on Ordinals, so I kind of, I've been working on it for a long time and I wasn't really into the NFT scene. And so at a certain point I was like, okay, I'm making, you know, these inscription things, which are like these, you know, digital art objects on Bitcoin or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I got to start listening to some NFT podcasts. And so the two NFT podcasts that I did not hate were uh, were were Rug Radio and NFT Catcher Pod. Hey. So uh, I'm actually legitimately like longtime listener and uh, and fan of the pod. And it was it was actually incredibly useful for me as sort of like a you know a Bitcoiner and not into the NFT scene to 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 listen to you guys. I found it like super helpful, and you guys are very non shilly while still being interested in markets and still like a good mix of being interested in markets and the art and the community without being like shilly and and stupid. So, and then when Ordinal started blowing up, I was like going on a million podcasts and doing a million like media appearances, which were mostly fucking stupid. Not the podcasts, the media appearances. The podcasts were great. The media appearances were mostly stupid. Uh, and I was trying to schedule, I reached out to Michael, I think originally like, like months ago, right? Uh, but then the scheduling just never worked. Uh, but I had said that I, you know, wanted to do it, and so I'm, I'm very happy to finally be on, finally be talking to you guys. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's awesome to be here. Epic. Yeah, it's awesome when cool people reach out to come on the pod because it's like, you know, we often do the outreach, right? Because we're like, oh, we want these certain people mm -hmm. on, and then when it's like somebody awesome reaches out to you to come on, you're like, what? That's amazing! Like, of course we want you on. So yeah, I mean, I I'm glad you reached out to Michael and that we're finally making this happen. Bitcoin ordinals. We were talking a lot before this. There's a lot we got to get into, but you were kind of telling us how you're not really into Ethereum NFTs at all. And you're kind of a bit of a Bitcoin maxi. So that's going to be, this is going to be a totally different episode for our listeners. Cause you know, we usually, we do talk about ETH NFTs a lot. Um, totally. So this would be fun, fun, unique perspective. Yeah. And I should uh, say that I, there's a lot of, you know, uh, there's a lot of the Ethereum NFT community that I like. There's a lot of the Ethereum mm -hmm. NFT art that I like. And actually the thing that made me take NFTs seriously was basically art blocks. Oh, okay. I, I've sort of known about NFTs for a long time, 2017. Uh, you know, I saw like punks and apes and stuff, and I just wasn't super inspired by it. And, um, I had sort of considered making NFTs, but, and I'm not like an ideological Bitcoin maximalist. I just have, they're, they're just like technical and decentralization problems that I perceive with Ethereum. So I never really got into it. But then I, I think it was like end of 2021 or mid 2021, 
that I saw art blocks and I just thought it was like amazing art. I saw amazing generative art and I've made a I've, I've made actually a reasonable amount of generative art. If you go to my website, rotomore.com, there's a bunch of random like AI generated art, some sort of programmer art. And I've done at this point, three sort of audio reactive visuals engines, which are sort of generative visuals engines that they're use various techniques to, you know, audio comes in and weird like audio reactive visualizer type stuff comes out. And so when I saw art blocks, I was like, oh, this is cool. There's a there's like a, a market and an interest for the kind of art that I've made for a long time, mostly for free, sort of thanklessly, just kind of like being like, hey, if I get a projector, can I like, you know, do something at your club or whatever? And that made me, I, I thought about um, issuing NFTs, like my own NFTs and selling them on Ethereum. But because of, and I don't, I don't think it's really useful for me to get super negative about Ethereum, but because of the technical problems that I perceive with Ethereum and, and the social problems I perceive with Ethereum, uh, Ethereum development process, I felt like I could make NFTs on Ethereum, but I couldn't encourage anybody to really buy them. I wouldn't feel good about that. It's, it's all this complicated shit, which, which we can get into. And so then I was like, okay, well, I, I, I want to figure out a way that I can do this on Bitcoin sort of natively in a way that I would feel like comfortable both making my own art and encouraging people to buy it. And so that's when I started noodling on it. I think I started noodling on it in late 2021. I actually found an email to a friend of mine where I sort of outlined the basics of what of, of what became ordinals. In, and it was late 2021. It was like December of 2021. And then so I worked on that and started the implementation. And there's kind of two layers to it. Um, there's ordinals, which make the individual, which Satoshis on Bitcoin, give them a unique identity and allow them to be tracked. And then there's inscriptions on top of that, which is, it, which is associating a file or a piece of digital content with one of those trackable SATs. And so I created uh, inscription uh, ordinals, like this sort of trackable SAT system as a vehicle for inscriptions like stop me when this gets too boring but bitcoin no, doesn't it's have interesting an it's like it's, it's in depth i love hearing it though keep going yeah, yeah yeah so bitcoin doesn't have an account model like um on ethereum you have your account which is you know a zero x and then a, a hex string and that's like your sort of your permanent identity on on ethereum when you when you own an nft it's assigned to your account and then when you transfer it you transfer it to somebody else's account um, but Bitcoin fundamentally doesn't have an account model. It has a different model, which is called the UTXO set model. Um, it's, it's probably hard to explain in a nutshell, but basically you can think of it as your Bitcoin wallet. It has a bunch of coins in it of different values. And those are the Bitcoin you own. And every time you want to receive new Bitcoin, you generate a new address. Uh, address reuse is actually discouraged on Bitcoin for privacy reasons. And so because of the details of Bitcoin, there wasn't like something that could own a inscription and like because uh, these UTXOs, these like coins in your wallet, they're destroyed when a transaction spends them and created when you send coins to a new person. So it didn't make sense to like assign an NFT to a UTX, uh, uh, one of these like coins in your wallet. And that's the reason for this trackable SAT layer, which is called ordinals. And sometimes I playfully refer to as ordinal theory. Then once I had that and, and this ability to identify individual sats and transfer them between, between wallets using normal Bitcoin transactions, then, you, then inscriptions came very quickly after that as a way of assigning, creating and assigning an inscription, which is basically just an NFT, to one of these trackable sats. 
And then once one of these sats is inscribed, you can use ordinal theory to transfer them using normal Bitcoin transactions. And so, yeah, so I, I sort of came up, I wanted to start doing it like mid 2021, maybe noodled on it for a few months, came up with the final version around the, 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 the final version of ordinals trackable sats end of 2021, and then implemented it throughout 2022, mostly by myself, but then also with a couple of uh, paid programming apprentices that I uh, hired. Shout out uh, Liam and uh, Raphael, uh, both very, very talented young programmers. And yeah, and then inscriptions, I, I think a lot of people were kind of confused. Among Bitcoiners, I had been talking about it a lot and they knew about this trackable SAP thing and they didn't know that it was intended for inscriptions to create this like NFT-like you know, thing on Bitcoin. And then when inscriptions came out, I think end of, I mean, I, I came up with the design like, I think end of 2022. And then it went live on mainnet uh, beginning of 2023. So like January 20th, I believe was when it finally flipped over and nobody paid attention to it for the entire like year and a half that I was like telling everybody about it and like posting on Twitter. And I did Twitter spaces that like five people would join. I mean, at most, like sometimes it was just nobody would show up. Uh, but then when this, when the flip was switched, uh, the, the switch was flipped um, and all of a sudden there was real money involved. Like it blew up, it absolutely blew up. And a lot of like Bitcoin maxis, like quote unquote Bitcoin maxis, because I don't know, it's complicated, didn't like it. They were like, you can't, you know, have fun on Bitcoin and you can't stick your data on Bitcoin and whatever. Uh, and then they got really upset. And I think that that is kind of what drove like the media hype cycle. Cause there was this really juicy story. Like now there's NFTs on Bitcoin and like Bitcoin maxis are like seething. Uh, and then like things absolutely exploded. We're up to like 3 million inscriptions. There are people are, can I swear? Can I use the, can I, yeah. can I swear on the pod? Yes. They're, they're shit coining on Bitcoin. They're issuing dumbass fucking tokens on Bitcoin. It's called BRC 20. It's some of the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, now we're up using inscriptions. Uh, I mean, good on them for coming up a way, with a way to issue shit coins on Bitcoin. Uh, and now we're up to like 3 million inscriptions. It's gone ape shit. It's gone fully, absolutely nuclear. It's fully out of my control. Uh, so that, yeah, that kind of brings us to the present day. Wow. So you didn't create it for people to make NFTs on? No, I absolutely did. I absolutely did. I, oh, uh, you did? I, okay. Yeah, yeah. Just that there were these, kind of these two stages. Like first, I, for, I knew that I wanted to make something. I kind of, the term NFT, I, I dislike for sort of personal reasons. But yeah, let's. I'll just. I'll just give up. I'm on the NFT catcher pod. I'm going to use the word NFT. <laughs> so yeah, no. I, I always wanted to make NFTs, but because Bitcoin didn't have, isn't, doesn't have the infrastructure for that, and it doesn't have arbitrary smart contracts, I sort of had to create this other layer of ordinals and trackable Sats so that the the NFTs would have somewhere to live, and you could like transfer them. So basically, there's this like you know normally Bitcoin Satoshi is the smallest subunit of a Bitcoin. They're just sort of, you don't know which Satoshi you have. You just have some number of Satoshis. They don't have an individual identity. But then there's this weird like ordinal theory thing that I created to track the individual Satoshis across transactions as an opt-in thing. Like if you want to ignore it and, and pretend it doesn't exist, you absolutely can and it doesn't change anything. And then once I did that, then I came up with inscriptions, which is essentially NFTs these art objects, you know, pieces of content that are assigned to an individual sat and then are tracked and transferred in the same way that those sats are tracked. What's a sat? How would you describe a sat? A sat is one one hundred millionth of a Bitcoin. So um, the unit one Bitcoin. Oh, Satoshi. Exactly. Yeah, one <laughs> sat. 
Yep, okay. exactly. Yep. I didn't yep, know yep. this. Okay. So, so in the in the Bitcoin protocol, the unit of a Bitcoin doesn't exist. Um, that's purely a human convention because talking about large numbers of sats would be inconvenient. In the actual Bitcoin protocol, um, it it only deals in satoshis. Satoshis are the thing that are the native unit of the of the Bitcoin protocol. How did you learn all of this? Like, where did you learn? I don't know what what's your background before like you creating Bitcoin ordinals. Yeah, so I, I mean I don't know. So yeah, I, I I studied computer science at UC Berkeley. I graduated in uh, 20, 2009. Uh, I'm old. I'm forty, um, and I uh, so I have a background as a computer science as a programmer. Um, I worked at a, a few giant evil tech companies like um, I worked at uh, Oculus. Um, not doing anything interesting, just moving JSON blobs around. And I worked at Google. Um, and I also worked at Chaincode Labs, which is a Bitcoin sort of open source R&D company. Uh, basically just being a longtime programmer, um, longtime Bitcoiner, very interested in the tech. Um, and also uh, an open source dev. Uh, I have another project called Just, which is sort of a productivity tool for programmers. It allows you to save and run commands that you might need a lot while you're working on a project. And that actually has a lot of a lot of users. So I, I just sort of like a general general background in programming and open source development, and also a long, long time interest in Bitcoin and always learning how the tech works. I also um, I host the SF Bitcoin Developers Meetup, which is a monthly technical meetup in San Francisco where we basically every month we just talk about the technical developments and open source developments in Bitcoin over the last month. So yeah, basically, so like short answer is like, I'm a programmer and also a massive obsessive uh, uh, about Bitcoin. I've been obsessed with Bitcoin for a long time. So I, I read all about it and try to learn how everything works. Who red pilled you? you don't you mean orange pilled me? Orange pilled you. Yeah. I think it, I orange. Did you just stumble upon it or someone like introduced you? Yeah, I definitely stumbled upon it. I didn't know anybody in my personal circle who was into Bitcoin, but I I got into Bitcoin in 2013, and I think I just read about it on Reddit, and I uh, was like, okay, that's interesting, but it reminded me, like, maybe it was like, I didn't understand what it was. I thought maybe it was like World of Warcraft gold or something, and so I just ignored it for like a few months, and then I saw it again, and then I was like, okay, I think this is actually something different, and I just read all about it, like everything I could about it ran the code and just kind of convinced myself that it worked. And then I was like, okay, like now I'm obsessed with this. Now this is the thing that I'm obsessed with. Basically because I hate the government. I think the government is uh, incompetent and most of the things that it does, I, I, I think it's pretty bad at. Um, and having the ability to print money, issue debt and collect taxes, you know, as a, as a raving uh, libertarian kind of guy, I would prefer that the government didn't have the ability to do that. And Bitcoin removes the government's ability to do that in as much as, as people adopt it. So it's uh, when I, once I convinced myself that it worked, I was also pretty convinced that it would be a, a good thing. My God, I know you had a question. Yeah, no, it's all good. It's pretty wild. I, I mean, that must have been, being such a Bitcoin person, that must have been insane because Ordinals took over the whole space for like whatever it was, a month where it was really like, that's all anybody could talk about. Every Twitter space Everybody, you know, taproot wizards, and now it's crazy. I remember the race to a hundred thousand and the race to a million. Like I remember all that. That must yeah, I, feel insane to you. Absolute madness, absolute madness. And like the amount of stuff that people have built is also insane. People ask me, like, hey, have you heard of like 
ordinals hub or like hmm. or or.io right. or like xyz and i'm like no i have no idea like i i know basically one percent of one percent of the things that are going on in the space so it's 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 completely insane it's it's completely insane how it's blown up and i think it's really blown up because of you know the fact that it is it's very simple it's actually a very very simple protocol i i basically designed it to be as simple as as possible and it's also not something that relies on you know a lot of projects in the space especially a lot of like you know very complicated chains and and bridges and dexes and stuff like that they they're they're extremely complicated they're like rube goldberg machines and even the people who they rely on a bunch of assumptions and a lot of the time they're unfinished they're like okay this is going to work if we do some future work you know i don't know what are some projects to pick on like a lot of ethereum l2s that talk about being like some sort of like decentralized like l2 if you look at the code, there are these admin keys, which means that they basically amount to like a multi-sig wallet that's controlled by a company. But Ordinals is, uh, it's, it's very simple um, and it doesn't rely on any assumptions and it doesn't have its own token. I didn't print any tokens. I don't have more Ordinals or inscriptions than anybody else. Um, and in fact, I've only made uh, two inscriptions uh, while everybody else has been going ham, like degening, like like crazy people. Um, Did you and make I think, number one, number one and two? Do you have like the real early ones? I have number zero. I have number zero. Oh, thank you. and thank God I did. Nice. Uh, but yeah, like it's so. I think it was that simplicity that attracted people to it. And then also Bitcoiners, um, like there's a um, I think justified uh, dislike of of tokens um, of people printing their own tokens to do X, Y, or Z, or claiming that it's necessary for some you know platform or whatever. Um, and so I think the fact that ordinals did not, does not have a token and does not like it's, it's, I'm not privileged in any way in the protocol. I don't hold some like back backdoor key. Um, I didn't issue a bunch of tokens that now I have a huge percentage of the supply. And I think that, th that people responded well to that. And that's part of why it got so popular. And also a lot of Bitcoiners aren't, uh, some Bitcoiners think that it's sort of frivolous or that there might be technical problems with storing data in the Bitcoin blockchain, but they don't have like a moral or ethical problem with it. Like they might have with a lot of projects that, that print their own uh, token. Um, and that's actually, actually one very important part of, of Ordinal. So it was very important part of me. I, I have issues with the way that NFT content on Ethereum is stored. Um, a lot of the time it's stored on IPFS uh, IPFS sort of bills itself as the permanent web, but it's not. It's basically like BitTorrent. Um, and Arweave has like unsustainable tokenomics. Basically, all the ways that NFT content is stored on Ethereum, there are often a lot of problems with that. Um, and so inscriptions are stored in Bitcoin transactions. And as long as Bitcoin continues, uh, that content is never going away. So it's a way to sort of make art on, to make art in a very permanent way. Um, IPFS stuff usually stays around, but it can go away. If nobody bothers to continue to make it available to the network, it will go away. And I, I know that there are at least a few cases of NFT collections on ERC-721s uh, going away because of IPFS. So those are the main things that I, that was one of the main, those, those are the main things that I think people, people like. And and you, have, think, you have to continue to pay IPFS, don't you? Well, so IPFS or is like, if it's basically... Somebody, you don't need to pay to, to keep okay. files on IPFS, but somebody needs to run a IPFS node 
and continue serving those files when people request it. Uh, the If you have an ERC721 token that points to a file on IPFS, the ERC721 contains a hash of that file. And so if you have the file, you can verify that that is the correct hash, but there's nothing stopping the file from going away. And obviously there's some there's some ERCs, Ethereum NFTs, which are on chain. Um, mm -hmm. For example, I think Nouns is on chain. There are other, like, I, I don't know if CryptoPunks is on chain, but there are ways of storing data on chain on Ethereum yeah. such that it won't go away. Um, although that is uh, winds up being pretty expensive. Strangely enough, it's actually cheaper to stick data in a Bitcoin transaction than it is to stick data in a Ethereum transaction. I was actually very surprised when I learned that. I assumed that, you know, it would be like orders of magnitude more expensive on Bitcoin, but mm -hmm. it's actually it's actually pretty cheap. And there were NFTs on Bitcoin, if I'm not mistaken, and in some respect, right? Yeah, Pepe, rare peppers. What are your thoughts right. on the an emblem vault and everything? Well, it depends on your definition of on Bitcoin. Um, mm -hmm. Generally, like Bitcoiners, they draw a pretty sharp distinction between things that have their own token that have some additional token and things that don't. Uh, this is kind of the like the cultural the big cultural gulf between people who are consider this, themselves Bitcoiners or Bitcoin maxis or whatever, and the rest of the space. So I mentioned that because um, rare Pepe's are on Counterparty and Counterparty has its own token. It has its own token. So, and also it is in some sense on Bitcoin, but Counterparty integrates very badly with Bitcoin. You can't hold a Counterparty asset in a normal Bitcoin wallet and the you know, you can't use the normal sort of Bitcoin functionality with counterparty assets. For example, uh, Bitcoin actually has a form of smart contracts, limited smart contracts called Bitcoin script. And uh, Bitcoin script is a way of locking your, it, Bitcoin script is a way of giving the conditions under which your coins may be spent. So you can do multi-sig, you can do single signature, you can do time locks, you can lock coins until a certain block height. Uh, none of that works with Counterparty because because Counterparty sort of the data is on Bitcoin, but it doesn't integrate in any way with Bitcoin. Um, that's kind of uh, that's much improved with uh, ordinals. You can every Bitcoin transaction transfers ordinals and you can use all of the functionality of Bitcoin, the native multi-sig, uh, single sig, time locks, everything using ordinals transactions. Uh, because they're just Bitcoin transactions. They're just normal Bitcoin transactions. So depending on your definition of on Bitcoin, the only, if, if I kind of don't really count counterparty, it uses Bitcoin as like a data layer, but, but it uses its own token and it doesn't use native Bitcoin transactions. Um, I do want to shout out uh, this guy named Steven Vogler, a Stefan Vogler. He came up with his own system of doing NFTs on Bitcoin a long time ago. Um, which is actually very similar to the way that um, Ordinals works. Um, but he he's, I think, mostly an artist and not a technical guy. And so he never created a wallet. And when you wanted to transfer his NFTs, you had to construct these very carefully constructed Bitcoin transactions to transfer them to wallet to wallet. So I think that is really the only NFTs that have ex existed on Bitcoin before Ordinals. And those weren't popular because of the extremely high barrier entry to to using them and transferring them. But yeah, but 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 let me say something nice about Counterparty because they get mad at me when I say mean things. I think the Counterparty community is awesome. Uh, the Counterparty, 
the vibe, you know, the the sort of degen Pepe like uh, meme meme lord vibe, like I love, you know. And they're gonna they're gonna take this some clip of me saying something mean and be like Rotomore is like an NF- counterparty hater, but you know, it is what it is. Only that clip will go viral, just you like saying yeah, exactly. they're not real NFTs. Dang, that's it. I think Michael, this is our smartest episode yet. Yeah, there's a lot of technical <laughs> mumbo jumbo in there. Definitely are I can keep going everything. with the mumbo jumbo. Yeah. But honestly, like any questions you guys have about how it works are are super welcome. I love explaining this stuff. And I think it's useful because I think most people don't understand the technical differences. And the technical differences are often very interesting and often very important. Yeah, you were saying that there's a lot of problems on Ethereum. And I know you mentioned, shit, I already forgot, the ISBF one or whatever. But uh, IPFS, which is IPFS. actually a separate technology. Yeah. Um, but like, what are, I guess, what are some of the problems that are on Ethereum that you don't see on Bitcoin besides that, that make you really not like ETH NFTs when it comes to storing, you know, data as opposed to like yeah. the community and stuff like that? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. The way that Ethereum smart contracts and NFTs by default are can often be changed by the people who create them like if if a, if a if a smart a smart contract often will have an upgrade key or an admin key and that means that although you can own the nft in the contract the people who issue the contract have the ultimate ability to unilaterally you know change the content or change the ownership or issue more um, and you can issue an NFT in such a way that it is immutable and it is guaranteed not to change. But that requires somebody to actually look at the code and read the code like line by line, which can often be very subtle and make sure that there isn't like a hidden upgrade key or a hidden admin key or that the content really can't be changed. And that's very expensive. As far as I know, nobody does that. You know, people just create NFTs with random solidity code which is the programming language that most people use to program ethereum contracts and nobody really checks so ordinals are 100 immutable and 100 uncensorable exactly the same as bitcoin nobody can nobody can take one away from you or modify it and uh there's no way for the data to go away so those those are the things that like you know if you if you have an ethereum nft you have to read the code to make sure that your ownership of that NFT won't be compromised and that the content won't be changed. Um, and that's simply not necessary on ordinals just due to the way that it works. Like there, there's no way to make a mutable inscription. Once you make an inscription, it is, um, it's immutable and unchanging until the end of time. Also, for example, I think royalties have been a huge problem. Um, I like the idea of royalties. I like the idea of artists getting paid for their work. I think that's a noble desire, but the implementation just doesn't work. There's no good way to implement royalties. And so there's been this race to the bottom. I'm sure you guys have been aware as different marketplaces have basically just acknowledged the reality that they can't enforce royalties and that other exchanges have, uh, you know, different marketplaces have come on to compete, you know, with OpenSea that don't charge royalties. And so OpenSea has done weird things like say like, okay, well, you can, you can only get royalties if your, if your Ethereum NFT specifically doesn't allow being traded on these, on these exchanges with no market, with no royalties. And I think it's like a really sad case of 
Like the idea is good and the, the desire is noble, but there's simply no good way to enforce royalties for a variety of technical reasons. Like the base reason is that, you know, let's say you and me, Michael, like you have an ape, like I want to buy it. And I'm, I, I buy it. I, How, we're much gonna, I'm, How much you offer it? How much you offer One, Yeah. One He's selling Bitcoin. it. One, He's selling it. One, one, is possible. Yeah. I yeah. A hundred, a hundred. Are we talking or are we talking? <laughs> we're talking. Like, we're what's talking. going on? So let's say, let's say I want to buy it from you for a hundred, a hundred ETH and um sold yeah yeah yeah. so but but like so we do the transaction and i send you 100 eth but there's no reason that we actually have to report the true sale price on chain so the on-chain sale price can just be one eth and 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 i send you 99 eth in an unrelated transaction and there's also ways that we can do it you know with escrow or a wrapper contract there's always a way to get around reporting the true sale price so it just isn't possible to enforce royalties, um, and it also, you know, there's always going to be this 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 competition between marketplaces where they're going to want to go to zero royalties. And there's been so much like chaos as people are like, I thought I was going to get royalties. I was told that NFTs were a way of getting like passive income, and it, it's 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 not about whether royalties are good or bad. It's just there's no good implementation. It's not possible to implement royalties in a good way. So that's one thing that is nice about inscriptions is like, listen, I'm sorry, there are no royalties. There will never be royalties on chain because there is no way to enforce royalties. And I've never, you know, always been very clear that it's not possible to do. And so there's kind of no confusion there. Nobody's trying to, nobody thinks that there's royalties. There's, there's very little confusion. And it, like that kind of goes back to the simplicity, um, you know, inscriptions and ordinals, they lack a lot of the you know, you can do a lot more with an Ethereum smart contract. You can do different kinds of auctions. You can do like video game-like functionality. You can do, you know, interesting interactions between NFTs, like game-like mechanics. Um, but that, that, all that cool functionality comes with a huge amount of complexity and a huge amount of like risk that like there's going to be a bug or something's going to go wrong or that, you know, it has an admin key or backdoor key. But if you really just want immutable art, and you want to, to own it and you want to be able to sell it to somebody else to transfer that art and you want it to really be like a painting on your wall that you own and that nobody else can change. Uh, that's what that's what ordinals provides. It's like a very stripped down kind of experience where you just get, you know, the content, the art and you can you own it and you can transfer it to somebody else. And, and you don't need to. There aren't any bells and whistles, which if you want those bells and whistles like that's bad. But it also means that if you don't want those bells and whistles and you don't want to think about those bells and whistles and you want to focus on the art and you don't want to worry about the technical side of it or something going wrong with, with code or whatever, with a smart contract code, that then that's a benefit. What's some of the coolest stuff that you've seen people put on ordinals that you think that have gone on there? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff. So the, you know, and there's, uh, there's uh, like, it's possible to do images. It's possible to do audio. It's possible to do video uh, and it's possible to do HTML. So you can do HTML and SVGs, which allow for animated content. Basically any kind of content you would see uh, on the web can go in an inscription. And so somebody inscribed a Doom clone. People have done games. I think there's been three games that I've seen so far uh, that you can go and play. Somebody wrote in Python, the Python programming language, an implementation of some of the inscriptions protocol and then put it into an inscription. So you can use an inscription and download the code in an inscription 
to get to get other inscriptions. It's like self-hosted. It's like, oh, you know, the Lord. yeah, the code is on chain. Somebody did a Doom clone, like a 3D Doom clone that, where you can like like a first person shooter where you can run around and shoot people in an inscription. Um, lots of generative art. Um, and then a lot of like, I mean, people have been taking pictures of their pets and like putting it on chain with pictures, like pictures of their like dog or cat or, uh, and I just consider that like very cute. They just want to immortalize their pets, you know? Um, somebody recorded their farts. I think there's two farts. That was chain. Jenny. That was Jenny. Yeah, Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm scared. Wait, I remember the, what was that one NFT project of like, the girl that like jarred her farts and like sold them as NFTs or something. Or I, I don't, don't even that know. Was was... That wasn't NFTs. <laughs> she no, just you, literally no, did that. No, she uh, made she like made NFTs of them or something. I swear. Okay. Yeah. Okay, she might have. She might have. And I think you could redeem it for the real thing. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Honestly, that's pretty you clever. Burn it for, uh, <laughs> you could burn it for you could burn it. Oh my gosh. These these e-girls, they're getting sophisticated, <laughs> you know? getting very creative i kind of wish we would have invited corporate trash to this podcast she's like obsessed with bitcoin ordinal she always writes about it in her uh her uh uh blog that she has but well, um a guest that i remember like maybe a month and a half ago you had a guest on um a woman who talked a lot about the technical side of it uh i don't remember who brooke, that was. Lacey. That? brooke lacy brooke lacy yeah that was yeah, awesome she's was amazing awesome. brooks brooke is awesome wow yeah, when was i was dope. not even yeah here. you weren't here yeah, yeah. but now corporate chat we had like a, a year ago i think yeah we did yeah, you were holding it down for and also for also the generative art um there's been some cool generative art on chain uh and i've just been really happy to like that's just cool. I just like see people seeing people do creative things. Um, I, I think it's a little overblown for me to call myself an artist, but like I've made some, you know, programmer art and generative art, and so that's that's my favorite uh, when people do like cool art. Uh, and it is also cool to see people doing you know random pepes and like tons of weird like collections mm -hmm. and you know just cool stuff. It's all very chaotic. Unfortunately, right now with the BRC twenty tokens. Uh, being such a high percentage of inscriptions. Like when you go to ordinals.com, you just see these like shitty like text like strings just dominating the front page. Uh, so yeah, that's that's annoying. But yeah, the art and just the weird stuff is 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 fun and cool. How about what Yuga did? What do you think of that? I mean, I think Yuga, I think Yuga Labs, I think they're a bunch of morons. Um, I think they're uh, technically incompetent. I don't remember the details of what they did, but they did something that was fully um, like that wasn't essentially people just sent them money and then they sent back the NFT. Like there wasn't a lot of like user right. protection. I also think they were doing pre-sales. It really irritates me when people do pre-sales, like make something and then sell mm -hmm. it. Don't be like, I need your money to make like a bunch of stupid monkey pictures. And then maybe you'll get something like, I think that's just a, just a very bad precedent. Uh, to accept and encourage, right? Like, listen, if you're going to make something cool, make it and then show it to me and maybe I'll buy it. Don't like promise a bunch. And then like, I remember, I, I don't remember when it was, but wasn't there a really disappointing like art reveal recently? Like in the recently? last like couple months? From uh, from Yuga? No, 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 different. Not from Yuga. Oh, no, it's like- Azerbaijan, you talking about Azerbaijan? <laughs> yeah, I think that was it. I think that was yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's exactly what happens when you do pre-sales, right? You pay people a lot of money and then they- pay a bunch of like, you know, Chinese 15 year olds to make shit in MS paint. And then you see it and it's fucking ass and everybody's furious, but it's like you, you paid them for this like sight on scene. Like, what do you expect? Yeah. You know?
Wait, yeah, we need more Yuga slander because we're because Michael is like because <laughs> Michael's like debating selling his ape, and it's like he kind of really wants to because he's like, oh, 100k, like that would be clutch. Yeah, but it's yeah. also kind of like he's had it for so long that it's let's just like one let's of those slander things. Yuga, really drive the price <laughs> down, make it an easy decision to sell your ape. No, <laughs> no, he needs to yeah, sell it. Yeah, no, wait, wait till he sells it, then we can drive the price down. No, you guys can sell it and then release this episode. So another thing that I hate about Yuga, and we're under contract that- for a hundred ETH right now. Is is where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, Casey, yeah. we got it on the pod. <laughs> We're yeah, under right, yeah, con- yeah. we're mean, talking, yeah. Yeah, we have another, a verbal agreement as that's far right. as I'm concerned. One one thing that I don't like about Yuga is that they're they're really eager to use lawyers and threats of copyright stuff to enforce their IP rights. I think that copyright is stupid. Um, I think that it's harmful. I think that like if you want to copy data, you should be able to do whatever you want with it. And the idea that you're gonna hire a lawyer to like threaten somebody with like, you know, the government with guns to like take their shit is just stupid. And like the idea that Yuga would both claim to like ever be like decentralized at all and be interested in that and be interested in like open culture. But then anytime somebody does something with like an ape that Yuga doesn't like, like they just are going to sue them. Like, I think it's, I think it's stupid. <laughs> Michael, yeah. are you sold? Sucks. I hear that. That's a crappy <laughs> company, dude. <laughs> have yeah, they been yeah screw you. we've never had them on actually no now they're going to be scared to come on listen <laughs> no nah, they don't listen to this um, yes they do, yes, they do. <laughs> michael's right. like yes they do. Like, i'm I really hoping I, I, they do they're in they're in michael's dms like crying yeah oh yeah, like, yeah. why'd on. you say that about us on the <laughs> podcast they yeah. really care they have 400 million dollars they're worried about what i'm saying <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, it's it, the the amount of money in this space is also insane. Like, and the amount of money yeah. that's been poured into investing in ordinals, like, um, there's a bunch of really stupid like shitcoin companies. I don't even want to mention them by name, like to dignify yeah. them with like, but like they're 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 basically just like they're companies that claim to be Bitcoin, but then actually it's just some like shitcoin, and they have so much money that they kind of don't know what to do with. So a lot of them are pumping money into uh, ordinals and making exchanges and making marketplaces, even though I think the actual like volume of sales on ordinals is not that high. I mean, it's still relatively small, um, but they're investing a ton. So it's, it's totally insane. So let's say, okay, someone's hearing about ordinals for the first time. I mean, personally, I've never really looked into ordinals. This is, I'm like, wow, I'm really mind blown here by everything. I guess, where do you go to buy Bitcoin ordinals or like create Bitcoin ordinals? Is it ordinals.com? Yeah, so you can go to ordinals.com. And also you can go to uh, github.com slash Casey slash ORD. And that is the um, sort of reference implementation of of ordinals. Um, It is not very user-friendly. It is a command line wallet and explorer. In fact, when you go to ordinals, so it's called ORD, that's the implementation. That's like the program that scans, that it it connects to a Bitcoin node and it looks through all the Bitcoin transactions to see all the inscriptions and where they are and who owns them. And actually, when you go to ordinals.com, which is a computer that I run in the cloud, that is just running ORD. So you can get your own version of ordinals.com by running ORD on your computer. And if you... You, that requires a Bitcoin node. Uh, Bitcoin, the, the program that implements Bitcoin is called Bitcoin D. So ORD talks to an instance of Bitcoin D. 
Um, and it can also make inscription transactions. Uh, Ord implements a Bitcoin wallet. And so um, you can make inscriptions from the command line and you can also view all the inscriptions that are out there and transfer inscriptions. Um, it's actually very simple as far as command line applications go. Um, I would encourage people to, to try it out. Um, it does need a relatively fast computer with a lot of storage space. I think it needs about 500 gigs of space because I mean, maybe like 500, 750 free gigs of space because um, it needs the full Bitcoin blockchain and it also needs to uh, a little space for itself for the index. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very simple software. And then there's also a huge number of wallets and marketplaces that I can't recommend at all. It's like the wild west out there. I don't really know what's good, good or bad. I've heard that open Ordex is good, but I think that might also be a command line sort of implementation. Yeah, and I, and, and I just want to emphasize like the simplicity. Like I sat down and I wrote a computer program and that computer program just connects to your Bitcoin node uh, if you run it and looks through all the transactions and says wh where the inscriptions are and uh, and what they're doing. And, it, and it's not more complicated than that. It's not some weird like DEX or some bridge or some Rube Goldberg machine like off in the darkness run by some mysterious shadowy programmers. It's not a DAO. Uh, there's no smart contracts. Uh, it's just this computer program that you run on your computer like Bitcoin and anybody can run it. And it's, it's exactly, if you run it, you get exactly what's on ordinals.com. Ordinals.com. Very user friendly. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I, I would say, I don't want to claim that it's user friendly. Like, no, it's I'm like, just joking. Uh, <laughs> you were like, it's all right there. It's super simple. And I went over there and it's like, well, it's like, I don't know. It's, all yeah, like, yeah. it's like a whole like, nother language. Yeah, like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah and then yeah, I went yeah. to the I, GitHub, your GitHub one. I'm like, one, damn, I'm, like, I'm too what? dumb for this. I don't know. No, 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 no. It's not, nobody's too dumb for this. It's too complicated. Uh, you know, like the, like the, 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 I mean, I'm just a single developer with help from, you know, a few other developers. And so, you know, I didn't raise any money. Um, I don't have like a team. So there's no like uh, nice fancy GUI or nice fancy GUI wallet. It's all sort of a community effort. Um, and development is incredibly slow because I'm pretty burnt out at the moment. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's why there's no like GUI or whatever. But that's also the thing that's good about it. Like there's no weird company, company behind it. And there's no way that like, there's no way that like I could rug. Um, if I released a change to Ord that, that you didn't like, um, the code is online. The previous version of the code is online. You can just run the old version and you'll see the old inscriptions. There's no like, uh, no rug is possible. Unfortunately, it means also that I can't make, one thing that's kind of stressful for me right now is that I would like to make a lot of changes to uh, ordinals, a lot of improvements. And, and it's really simple stuff. Um, but now I need to make those improvements very, very carefully. And I need to like, tell everybody what I want to do and everybody like the community basically has to agree that it's a good idea because I can't unilaterally make changes. Mm. I have to essentially, just like Bitcoin, I have to propose changes and some critical mass of the community has to adopt those. That's changes. like truly decentralized. Okay. Now I see how it's like yeah. Bitcoin ordinals. It feels like it's truly decentralized NFTs Yeah. versus I can see how all these there's so many like centralized aspects to like ETH NFTs. And it's like, yep. I was going to yep. ask your thoughts on flow, which is very centralized. Flow is, but... flow is, flow is like the sort of um, kind of commercial blockchain. Do, do, do they claim to be decentralized? No, 
They don't. They don't See, claim to be decentralized. That's the yeah. thing is, I, I actually think that's kind of fine. I mean, there are lots of things that are not decentralized. Like, like when you go to a cafe and you get a cup of coffee, like there's nothing decentralized about that cafe. But if you like, you pay a good price and you get a you you pay a fair price and you get a good product. There's no problem with that if it's if it's not claiming to mm-hmm. be decentralized. So if Flow is like, yeah, like we have our fucking centralized blockchain, it runs on or block even I don't even know if it's a blockchain. We have our centralized platform, it runs on Amazon, we give you these digital assets on our centralized platform and like the upside is that it's super user friendly and you can just log into the website to do whatever you want with it and like when you want to buy them, you just swipe your credit card and it it has all the problems of paying with things with credit cards. Like that's fine. My problem is really when people make things that aren't decentralized and they claim that they're decentralized with a bunch of sort of smoke and mirrors, right? Like I'm not mad at like, I don't know, McDonald's for like selling hamburgers in a, in a centralized way. You know, McDonald's is fully centralized. Like it's, you know, it's a corporate structure and it, you know, top down decisions and you go to McDonald's and you don't have any, any say in what's on the menu, even if you'd really like them to bring the McRib back or whatever. That's fine. McDonald's doesn't claim to be centralized. They just say like, yeah, we're a company. We sell you hamburgers, like buy a hamburger or a GTFO. The problem is when you have these weird things that like claim to be decentralized. Like what are the big, what are the most popular Ethereum L2s right now? Uh, you got Polygon, Immutable X. Um... Oh, damn. Those are, I don't even know. What about the uh, optim- optimistic roll-ups? Is an optimism... What's that one? Is that what it's called? It's uh, I don't it might know, be optimism. Is. I know what you're talking about. They did an airdrop not too long ago. Yeah. Anyways, like the optimistic rollups, yeah. like they claim to be decentralized, but if you get down to it, they have sort of like upgrade keys, and uh, whoever has those upgrade keys can unilaterally fully change any detail of the contract. And so they're actually just multi sigs that are controlled by the people in the project. And so. Same with, um, like, for example, uh, DAI, MakerDAO. I mean, that's all, like, uh, that's all centralized stable coins that are mostly backing that. So the, the issue is when these projects that aren't really decentralized claim to be, claim to be decentralized. Um, and also when they're just issuing, like, tokens and, and whatever. Like, uh, yeah. But, like, listen, centralized hamburgers, centralized flow. Like, yeah, no fucking problem. Like, go, go crazy. Would you want, because I know you said that you hate the government, and I feel like a lot of people in Web3 <laughs> hate the government. Like, um, I don't know anyone that likes the government, but like, would you They're want doing them? an amazing job. <laughs> They're doing They're a great job. Our tax dollars are spent yeah. impeccably. <laughs> Donald T- Trump was an amazing president with no amazing. problems. Joe Biden is an amazing president with no problems. We're no. going from strength to strength here. Yeah, yeah. And it's good. We're going to have another rematch of those two in 2024. <laughs> can't wait, man. Can't That's wait. Perfect. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah. But, okay, those are, but my those question, are two great options. <laughs> my question here is like, would you want the government to adopt crypto? And like, I guess, um, how would you see the government re- benefiting from crypto? And like, what would you want to see them adopting? I guess if you do want to see them adopting crypto at all. Um, well, I mean, I really like as a you know Bitcoin maximalist, I make yeah. a strong distinction between Bitcoin and everything else. Um, everything else is you know essentially the. The problem with the government is that the government has very bad incentives. Um, in fact, they don't really have any incentives at all. They can print money. They can uh, take our money by just taking the men with guns, send it to your door if uh, they want it, you know, taxes or whatever. 
Um, they can create really stupid regulations. Um, so I don't really want to see them adopt anything in particular. I'd like their power to make stupid decisions and do harmful things to be limited. And one way that the government has a lot of power, just picking on the US government, because you know I'm an American citizen, uh, they have the ability to print dollars and the dollar is very widely used and, and widely accepted. So that means that they sort of have this infinite spigot of money that they can use to do stupid things and also to create inflation, which makes our money uh, less valuable, right? Like it's, it's sort of like the ultimate silent tax where they just print more money and the dollars in our pockets are worth less, even though we didn't you know, consent to them printing that money. So mostly I would like to see people adopt Bitcoin. And the more that people adopt Bitcoin and use Bitcoin and store their, store their wealth in it and use it for transactions, the less and less interested people will be in, in dollars and the less and less power the government will have um, from its ability to print dollars. And in fact, at a certain point, if people like reject dollars, like dollars will become less and less valuable and Bitcoin will become more and more valuable. And that will just uh, cut off, a, it will just reduce a huge slice of the government's power. And because the government has very bad incentives, I think that that is generally good. I would basically just like the government to be able to do less and less and interfere in our lives less and less. And people adopting Bitcoin sort of <laughs> reduces the ability of the government to interfere in our lives in you know, a monetary, monetary way. Go buy Bitcoin, folks. Yeah, buy Bitcoin. Right now. buy Bitcoin. Let's do this. It's not too late, you know? It's not too late. No, this is actually the perfect time, right? Because like we're in the bear market, the price is low. <laughs> like for buying purposes, I guess. Yeah. Um, financial like, advice. I mean, yeah, no, not financial is... advice. Listen, Jenny and Michael, but... <laughs> they might not give you financial advice. I'm giving you financial advice. Buy Bitcoin. <laughs> I mean, not yes. don't like it, it. Like buy Bitcoin slowly. Um, Bitcoin is highly volatile. There's no reason that it couldn't, you know, fall by fifty percent or seventy five percent. But the supply is fixed, and the long term trend is up. And so it'll probably just keep, you know, fluctuating up and down. And so if you're Hitting comfortable new holding it, highs. Yep. yeah. If you're comfortable holding it for, you know, four years, six years, eight years. It will definitely go up. Twenty-five um, years, yeah. yeah. Barring something yeah. hugely unexpected, years, and yeah. yeah, and the U.S. dollar um, is explicitly designed to go down. The 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 U.S. the, the Federal Reserve targets an inflation rate of between two and four percent, and they often overshoot um, and and create higher inflation. So the dollar is designed to lose value, and uh, Bitcoin has a fixed supply, which is very hard to change. So, uh, yeah, buy buy Bitcoin. <laughs> Do you use your Bitcoin to buy stuff with now, especially now that there's more like now there's like Bitcoin ATMs, like, and there's just all this stuff now that we didn't have before where you're able to like pay with Bitcoin, even PayPal, you can, you can pay with Bitcoin. Like there's just more, more things you can do with your Bitcoin. Do you spend your Bitcoin? I wish that I could claim to be cool and like actually do things with Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I don't do very much with Bitcoin. I sit on it. And although I was able to pay the, um, the, 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 the programmers that helped me out, uh, Liam and Raf, uh, in Bitcoin. And that was very cool because uh, Liam is in Canada, Raf is in uh, Germany, and I could just make payments directly to them for their work on the project without any intermediary, without like, nor I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever made an international wire transfer, but it is fucking horrible. It is yep. absolutely fucking horrible. 
Um, I've had uh, one time I needed to pay somebody in Denmark some rent or they needed to pay me some rent. And it was like a multi-month thing where some typo that they had made on a form meant that the money was just stuck in limbo. Um, I studied, I stayed in, uh, I, st- I learned Spanish in Guatemala um, like, uh, like 10 years ago. And I made really good friends with the Guatemalan family and I still send, uh, them money every month. Um, and I, I do that by, uh, I forget what it was. It was, it was, it was some like transfer service. And like, I'm over here just sending like a hundred dollars a month to this like Guatemalan lady. And they're like saying that it's like, uh, you know, needs to be reviewed and eventually like refused to let me use the platform. I needed to use a separate platform. Um, and so Bitcoin solves that problem, and I do use it to make international transfers like that. But I don't, I don't do anything interesting with Bitcoin. I, when I need money, I sell Bitcoin, and then I do that on a service called River, River Financial. If you go to river.com, uh, I'm not a paid shill of River, but I, I like the company a lot. And that's just, it's sort of like a Coinbase alternative that doesn't have all the shit coins. So you can just sell Bitcoin, the dollars go to your bank account, or you can buy Bitcoin with dollars from your bank account. Um, so yeah, I'm a pretty boring user of Bitcoin. I would like to use it more, but I think it's kind of just not there yet. Like the adoption isn't there. Mm. And I don't know, do you guys, uh, you, there's something called the Lightning Network, which is a way of making instant micropayments with Bitcoin. Um, and that works pretty well, but the adoption and the infrastructure kind of isn't isn't there yet. Um, and I think that's what's going to very much unlock um, being able to, use Bitcoin as a payment system. Right now, it's very good as sort of like a value storage and transferring large amounts of money system. It's like but gold, make- kind of. It's just like people are just holding on to it. Yeah, totally. But actually, they I mean, if you need- go ahead. Sorry, they use it in El Salvador, if I'm not mistaken, right? Or is it Honduras or El Salvador? El Salvador, but the situation is very complicated. The government basically mm-hmm. said, like, everybody in El Salvador will... Bitcoin will become legal tender in El Salvador. So that's good. It has a sort of official protected legal status. Mm-hmm. Um, and they rolled out like this Bitcoin wallet for everybody in the country. I right. think the Bitcoin wallet had a lot of problems. It had a lot of bugs because mm-hmm. governments are pretty trash at writing software. Um, mm. But yeah, it does have some some use. I think it's kind of just with Bitcoin, it's always going to be a really slow burn. Like there's no company that is behind it that is there to put a huge amount right. of money in into it it's really just as people adopt it like bit by bit by bit um and as people realize that it's a good alternative to the existing the existing financial system yeah um the existing financial system is hard to deal with and painful and often very capricious and arbitrary you know the regulations yep i've seen videos of people in el salvador like the markets going back and forth just like tapping their phones paying but yeah there probably are i'm sure there are problems as well it was pretty neat to see. Yeah, totally. Well, that's all the questions I have. Um, I have one one more. Okay. Um, so yeah. like if if somebody, so say like I wanted to inscribe some NFTs, some art, whatever it is on mm-hmm. Bitcoin, where would I start? What would I do if I was somebody? Good question, Michael Keane. Uh, you would go <laughs> to github.com slash Casey slash ORD. Wait, I already would, asked this, Michael. You would kind follow of. the okay. installation instructions. Yeah, you, the asked, you asked like, how do people I, get into it, buy and but sell. Like, but but like, I actually have what some if I wanted to actually make one? I have some really yeah. specific advice. I suggest okay. that people who are artists, who, who have content that they want to inscribe, team up with people who are kind of technical. And you don't have to be that technical. You just kind of have to know how to use command line tools, which is a pretty basic 
you know, skill. You don't need to learn how to program. You just need to know how to run some commands. And GPT um, can teach you. you yeah, GPT can GPT. teach you. Yep. yep. Um, and so, and form like a little team to make some inscriptions. Uh, it's not that hard. And actually, if you want to go the latest episode of my podcast, the Hell Money podcast. Uh, what is it called? Hail Money? Hell Money. Oh, Hell Money. Hell nice Money. Yeah. Plug, nice plug. Yeah, I got a show, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah, yeah. hellpodcast.money is the website. And I think it's uh, YouTube, Hell, Hell, Podca- Hell Money Podcast. Uh, me and my friend Aaron do it. The last, I, I don't, the last episode is some like weird Bitcoin is a megalith thing. Um, but the previous two episodes before that are these very simple tutorials where we show how you can go from cool. with a Mac because Macs are good for it, like step-by-step step to use the software. And the software is a command line tool. It's not like a GUI wallet. But it's not that it's not that complicated, and you you can do it. We we make an inscription on the on the show, and it's uh it's not uh it's uh it's not hard. Give me the, give me the podcast website one more time. Oh, uh, hellpodcast.money. But really, just anywhere fine podcasts are sold, search for how many podcasts. I'll send I think you it's the on link, Michael. No, I YouTube's. got it. I got it already. It's oh, on okay. YouTube. It's on Spotify. Uh, we had a bunch of Ordinals episodes. Like the Ordinals guy goes to therapy episode was pretty good. I must have been there before because my uh, my browser knew it. Dope. Dope. Earlier in the podcast, uh, Jenny mentioned that, um, you know, we were like, yeah, it's cool when somebody cool reaches out to you. When I was explaining to them earlier this week when you signed up for it, because it was like a month, like, like I sent you the Calendly, like whatever it was, but I talked to Jenny and Andy like a month ago. And then a couple of days ago, I wrote, I was like, yeah, Casey, you know, he said he's a fan of the podcast. Like, <laughs> And then as soon as I wrote that and sent it to them, I was like, wait, Am I being catfished? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, like, yeah. Is it no, no, like, no. Fake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, we were like, we were like, wait. I was like, actually, let actually me. Uh, we were like, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, double no, yeah. I listened. Uh, like when I got interested in NFTs, I started listening to a, or I, I, I listened to like at least one episode of a bunch of different NFT podcasts. That's and amazing. I won't name names, but I was not a fan of most NFT podcasts. They were just like so shilly and like. <laughs> but yeah, I, I always yeah. thought you guys were like super genuine about it just as being like fans of the space and like fans of the tech and fans of the art. So yeah, it was a good way to learn about. I could tell by the way you described it. I could tell by the way you just said you definitely listened. So that's what's up. We appreciate that. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So yeah, thanks so much for having me on. It's uh, it's uh, it's great. Uh, Yeah. And I, you know, uh, you guys want to make some, make some inscriptions. Definitely. You should make some official, you know, NFT catcher pod inscription. That's you know? what I was thinking. Something, yeah. something fun for the listeners. Dude, and trying. like, it's, it's not super hard. If you found somebody who, you know, is like a computer person who likes, maybe is a little bit of a programmer or like just runs, runs Linux. Uh, although Macs are the best way to do it. Uh, it's not super hard. You can definitely, you can definitely get it done. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go to like, uh, if you want to go hang out with some inscription DGENs, you can go to the, the ordinals discord Somehow uh, I'm the moderator of a 17,000 person owner of the 17,000 person discord. I have no freaking oh idea how that God. happened. So you you yeah. fired it up and it just filled up and it was, it like, just yeah. exploded. It's out of control. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a discord.gg slash ordinals. Uh, oh, wow. Go check it out. Yeah. And then you can ask questions and, and DGEN out and, and whatever. Yeah. I think I'm going to make the attempt to uh, inscribe something. Dope. 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 Yeah, yeah. It's also a good excuse to to play with Bitcoin. It's like, yeah, a lot of the time Bitcoin maxis are yelling at people to use Bitcoin and saying like, oh, you should use Bitcoin. And but there aren't a lot of like applications that are fun to use on Bitcoin. 
And ordinals and inscriptions actually provide like a reason to get into it, a reason to use it, and a, and a way to have fun with it, uh, even like beyond any sort of financial sense, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that's uh, pretty, pretty valuable. I don't know. Amazing. Love that. Um, cool. Well, yeah, this, I, I mean, we'll probably link, I think we should link um i just put it in our chat i think we should link the tutorials on on how to the part one and part two how to make an ordinal inscription i definitely want to watch that because i'm like i am very intrigued yeah i'm gonna um, check that out too for sure yeah and the discord so that if anyone has questions well, that's a nice that's a nice discord. uh that's a nice podcast profile picture you have there casey what is it uh, it's like it's got like a, you're in it? like a costume oh yeah i, I was in a rat costume like yeah, yeah, Aaron's, Aaron, Aaron's looking all cute, and I'm looking like haggard in a rat costume, like uh, I just crawled out of a sewer. Yeah, pretty much. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great! How many podcasts? Um, all right, well, awesome. Yeah, this has been this really exceeded my expectations. I didn't really know. I I was like, I don't even know what to ask. I barely know anything. But um, I feel like you did a really great job explaining Bitcoin ordinals. And like I said, this was our most intelligent episode we've recorded. You guys are too kind. You guys are way too kind. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Casey, thank you so much for joining us. Um, awesome. Yeah. And with that said, hopefully you guys learned um, a lot about Bitcoin ordinals in this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And we will catch you in the next one. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to the NFT Catcher Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned something new about the exciting world of NFTs. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you really love what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. If you want to stay up to date with the latest news and insights from the NFT space, be sure to follow us on all the socials at NFT Catcher Pod. You can follow Jennifer at Jennifer underscore pseudo and Michael at NF Ticket. I'm your producer, Andy, and I'm at AJC254. Our theme songs by It's Just Los. We always appreciate your feedback and support, which helps us reach more people and bring you informative and engaging content about NFTs. We look forward to bringing you more great NFT content in future episodes. Thanks for listening. Peace.